Welcome, babies and gentle daddies, to the adult baby no. episode. You've done this like four times to people. <laughs> Brace. Yes. Did you hear? What? Grok's woke. Oh my god. Wait, no. Grok's you gotta woke. be talking about something else. Grok's woke. You're talking about the AI Grok is woke? Grok's woke. I want to say real quick, because uh, Young Chomsky and I were just talking about this before you walked in. Mm-hmm. I One, I can't stop saying Grok's woke. Grok is woke. But I can't stop saying it like, one, in a kind of like feverish, like, Grok's woke, Grok's woke, Grok's woke. Like my brain has broken and I'm just like, Grok's woke, Grok's woke. Like repeating um, kind of a beautiful mind style, mm-hmm. though I haven't seen that movie. Me either. Um but that's what I imagine happens in it, Groxwook, as he's doing the like calculations, Groxwook, Groxwook. But also, like in, in I, I feel like it should become a salutation. A sort of like you walk in the door and you're just like, hey, Groxwook. Oh, Groxwook to you. Yeah, uh, Guten Morgen, Groxwook. What is, what is, can you explain what Grok is to our, any listeners that might not be familiar with Grok? It's Twitter's AI bot. Twitter's AI bot. Yeah, that has the same logo as Deutsche Bank. And can you explain to me what woke is? In your own words. <laughs> well, woke is like a religion when you think about it. I d- I'm thinking about it, but I'd like, <laughs> yeah. So woke is. But I just, I can't, that, that was a tweet from, unfortunately, from Tim Poole. But I is have to say, Grok is woke. he said Grok's woke, unfortunately, or something like that. But it's like stuck, it's stuck in my craw. Grok's woke. Grok's woke. Grok's woke. This is the new Oatly. Grok's woke. Grok's woke. Grok's woke. Grok's woke. Grok's woke. Grok's woke. Ladies and gentlemen, Grok may be woke, but my coworker Liz is certainly not. Well, actually, I would say she is, except for one ethnic group. Uh, welcome to Truanon. My name is Brace. I'm Liz. I was going to say real quick, I thought you were going to go, uh, whatever you just said, which I can't remember, which is like, Grok may be woke, but my co-host is sleepy. It's sleepy. Well, I'm sleepy. I know. So yeah, that would have really been my sleepy. version of I you. Anyway. We are also, of course, joined by producer Young Chomsky. You know the drill. And the podcast is called True Anon. Hello. Switching it up a little bit. Hello. Yeah, we switch them. Yeah. Full here. disclosure, I haven't slept uh, in mm. a long time. Grok's woke. So Grok is woke. I wonder if Grok can give me one thing. I, w- I do want to spend a second on Grok, actually, before we move into an episode here. We've talked before. You hate the term Grok. I really don't uh, like b- prior it. Prior to the first of all, it also sounds like a Marvel character. Like I thought it was. Grok, yeah, is Grok a Marvel character? I don't think so. Is there one that sounds like that? I don't know. It sounds like something from the Avengers universe. It does. Yeah. Or it has no. That sort of What's the one with Star Wars? As you're thinking, Guardians of, of the Galaxy. That's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, which I guess would be the Avengers Star Wars. Yeah. I'll say wow, this. Wow, that just blew the my mind. The term is borrowed from. Uh, the book Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein, who oh, is funny. of the many fascist writers I like. Uh. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the ones who probably put out 
starting in the 1960s. So Robert Heinlein was, you know, kind of this was basically a fascist mm-hmm. um, for much of his career mm-hmm. and very polyamorous as well. Interesting. To, you know, something we've been touching on lately. Uh, but uh, he was like a progressive at first, and then I think in the forties became yeah. just he has a strange stories. kind of view. Um, I don't know if fascist is the right word. Probably, probably I would say his ideal government would be like one of Admiral Horthy. But he uh, he in the sixties he started to get really into the concept of incest, and then and that became a defining feature of his later work. Mm. I don't remember if incest was like instru- doing it or just like as a concept. Well, yeah, no doing it, yeah. Does yeah. he have siblings? No. Oh, I don't mean in his personal life doing oh. it. No, 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 no. He was mostly just wife swapping. Um, but, I mean, in the in the, the great human family, he was certainly committing incest, committing incest, but not legally committing incest. But in his books, I just remember as a kid, I read every single one of his books except for, like, the last couple. But I remember my dad being like, listen, I like you should just stay away from these. Not because it's, like, X-rated content That's cute or as a dad's name. But he's just like, they're bad. Yeah. And, and I was like, you're, you're out of your mind. I'm going to read about the, the – the, I'm going to read these kind of later books he wrote. They're horrible, and they're all about incest. But Stranger in a Strange Land is one I read. It's his most famous book. Yeah. And it sucks. It's like his first really bad book. It's and it's I don't have no idea how it's so influential. It's very like Bowie Man Who Fell to Earth. Like, and that's what Grok is from. That's what Grok is from. And what is Grok? Grok is woke. Uh, no. <laughs> but it's like the woke AI that, that No, no, Twitter no. Has. What is Grok? How does it come from that? Oh, Grok is like a deeper understanding of right. meaning and something. Like it's like understanding on like a I mean, it's been a I think I read it when I was like 15, but it's like it's like understanding on but like I, a, a a higher level than just merely like intellectual understanding. But wait, I thought that when people used Grok online before Grok was born and became woke, which is probably what happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. Grok the AI. The Grok meant, I thought it meant to like grasp, like to kind of like grasp at, not to have like a, like when people use it online in like Reddit yeah. lingo. Am I wrong? No, it means that. It does? It does? To like grok at something, yeah. right? Well, to grok something means to understand it. Well, no, but grasp at is like. But I mean in a, in a kind of like vulgar way. I don't. I, I think I, it's like, I have a hard time grokking this means like I don't really get it. Okay. I grok in the book is is so is like totally a deeper a deeper meaning. Anyways, uh, that's all to say is that that grok is is frankly it's woke. Yeah, grok's woke. And and I think we need to make an anti woke anti woke grok. Uh, well, I don't know if we could call it grok. Grog. Grok, but I think just maybe borrowing a concept from another Heinlein book. I think we should make an uh, an AI called incest, like I N C S T, mm. all capital letters. Uh, maybe the or lowercase t or something incestly. like that. Incest.ly. Incest.ly. Yeah. And I think that should sort of be like a, frankly, I'll say it, a racist AI that we pit against Grok to make it, to sort of balance it out, to make it, uh, yeah. you know, to, to, to neutralize the wokeness. Then we can possibly create something new from that. Interesting. I like that. Beyond woke and anti-woke. Beyond woke and anti-woke. I want to talk at the top of the episode. Most of the episode is about something else, but I want to talk about something... The episode can be whatever we want it to be. That's that's facts. But I want to talk about something that's really important to me, okay. which is Ivy Leagues. As many <laughs> listeners know, I went to every one of the Ivy Leagues. Mm-hmm. and You collect them all. I collected like them Pokemon. all. I have a, deg- a business degree here, philosophy MA there. I have a BA from other places as well, and a PhD from any number of places, and an I honorary degree... From Penn, which I did not know was an Ivy League. How many are in the Ivy League? What is there? So there's 
I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh, well, you don't have to name them okay. all. But around, there's like, uh, whatever. What, eight? Seven? They're eight? all very important to me, and I believe they form the bedrock for our, uh, what I like to call the little Eichmanns of the future. Mm, that's lovely. There was a hearing that featured three presidents of some of these schools. Uh, Claude, Dr. Gay, Claudine Gay of Harvard. Why are you got to say it like that? Sorry. Dr. Gay, Dr. Gay of Harvard, Elizabeth McGill of Penn. Formerly. Formerly of Penn. And Sally Cornbluth of MIT, which is like a real good good old down-home name right yeah. there. Sally Cornbluth. Uh, That's, yeah, notably missing some Ivies. Well, these are the ones with the anti-Semitism problems, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure what the criteria for picking these three was. Yeah, they got a bunch of suckers. That's who it was. They were called up before Congress and then sort of grilled by, you know, whatever, various people, including, I can't, I, God help me pronounce this woman's last name, but Elise Stefanik, uh, New York Republican Congresswoman, uh, who, I got to tell you, if you actually watch the video of her, like, grilling these people about anti-Semitism on campus. yeah. I have no idea how ill how all three of these women that she she questioned about this were so ill prepared. Well, it's funny because immediately when you said they were called up by Congress, they're asked to come in. I'm like, first of all, true non rule one: Congress calls you to testify, you don't have to go. You don't have to go. It's not legal. It's not legal. Subpoena me, bitch. Yeah, you can't because this ain't a, you're show not a judge. The, I'm going to tell you this: Doctor Gay should have said, "Show me the warrant, motherfucker." Yeah. Now, and the second thing is, contra like sort of similar to that which is that these people were treating it as if it were a legal hearing yes. and not a political show trial. Yes. And so they were like relying on clearly from bad legal advice that again was approaching this as if it were a legal hearing uh, to, to kind of lean on uh, you know, free speech and the Constitution, the good old Constitution of yeah. the United States and how that was sort of the guiding light for these policies when – um, congressional leaders were more interested in the sort of like, when did you stop beating your wife? Exactly. Style. One of, of the all-time great questions yeah. to ask somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that and define wokeness. Defi- yeah, what does woke mean to you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, and they believe well, me. what is a woman? These, these, ch- oh, that's a classic. These chicks all failed the have you stopped beating your wife test. Yeah. I mean, my God. And since then, McGill has resigned. I think Dr. Gay is under a lot of uh, of pressure to yes. resign, but they're I believe sh- they're not. They're not uh, releasing her. They're not releasing her. <laughs> whatever, uh, firing her. Whatever. Sally Cornblue, They ain't heard much about her, but who gives a fuck about yeah. MIT nerd the name school like anyway? That is kind of tough. Uh, I want to tell you this. This is this is I. I have never cared. I ignore basically any news that comes out about higher education. Yeah, I could give less of a fuck about anything that happens at Harvard or Yale or whatever. It is training the administrators of our misery for the future. That's basically how I view all these places. Uh, But now I'm like, now that I have to hear about it, I'm saying arrest all the administrators, Mm. shut the schools down, Mm. take all the endowments, give them to whatever, University of Phoenix, whatever the online college is. Does that still exist? I think it has to. Let's yeah. reopen it. Let's reopen. We, if it's if not reopening, let a thousand University of Phoenixes bloom. That's what they should do. They should take the endowment from Harvard and Yale and put <laughs> those into just a million online universities where you maybe learn in Discord and maybe even meet an older man in there. Who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. 
Uh, but it is so like it is such a it is such a telling like I'm not telling I guess is the word would be but like I'm sort of astounded at how well this counteroffensive has played out mm. um, and I call it a counteroffensive because you know as a caveat I am not one of those people who's like oh oh like this the only reason we're talking about this is to distract from this or whatever I think that's usually a pretty lazy way to think yeah uh, in this case I do think a large reason that we're hearing so much about Harvard and Gale and whatever Penn Cornell uh, is because there are people who are very invested in in and distracting from what's going on in Gaza. Yeah, or I think even like as you're saying, like less of in kind of like a less of a psyop kind of way, but more of a like, how do we drum up enthusiasm yes. to distract from the horrors that are coming out in media and get them to talk about something else? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, and it, and it's really effective, and and that really coincides with this sort of like growing movement to abolish DEI. And again, like yeah. I am not, I have, I, I, I am not exaggerating here. Like, I don't know what happens on college campuses. Yeah, I, know. Uh, I know. I And I don't really want to. Yeah. DEI seems like a, the, like, liberal, like, ideology that's, like, dominant on these campuses. Yeah. And there are obviously— And, like, HR H, has yeah. been, like, deployed into, like, corporations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I know they have, like, little— Deployed like, is the right word, but— You know, you know. but it is. It, it, Diffused it, it, is it, the better it's word. It's in all these different— fucking companies and, and yeah. higher learning institutions or whatever. Um, and I think that it's just sort of this dovetails uh, with a lot of people like like the Barry Weisses of the world, sort of like war on woke uh, really nicely. Mm. And as a result, now I have to fucking know who's in charge of Harvard. I didn't know mm. that two weeks ago. Yeah. And I don't want to know now. Well, it's an easy name to remember. Doctor, to be fair. I, I, and believe me. And it's like one of your pseudonyms. It's one of my pseudonyms. An appellation that I have gladly received from many top build medical institutions in this motherfucking world. Including Harvard. Including Harvard. That's where I got my – that's right. That's where I got it. Sports medicine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't really know if I have a, a lot to say about this. But I, for some reason, I just wanted to bring it up just because it's, it's really fucking bothering me because mm. a i hate college that b it's just it's so psycho that this has been elevated to the same deal as like one of the worst civilian massacre campaigns yeah. in recent history it's just it is it is astounding that it has gotten this much airtime and attention yeah it also sort of mirrors in a lot of ways like well, I mean, we were talking about this that if you read some of like what Israeli officials are saying, even yeah. what like Israeli press is reporting on, oh yeah, not even like you know like more critical press, I'm trying to think of the degrees there, but like you know even just sort of like kind of supportive press, yeah, of which you know that's pretty much every you know whatever um versus the way the West is covering. The war in Gaza, it, it like it mirrors the kind of um, I'm not gonna I'm gonna use a, a favorite term of the kind of anti DEI anti woke crowd, which is the Orwellian nature of the kind of double speak that you see, where Israeli officials will be like really fucking cut and dry about like what the objectives are, yeah, and like what the goals are, yeah, in a way that is like oh we want to develop in Gaza. Yeah, in the Gaza Strip. That's the like we will know what we're successful when there are Israeli apartment buildings on the Gaza Strip. Yeah, and right? all the Palestinians have been have been kicked out of yes. of the of Gaza. Right, and then you hear the kind of the way that the West reports on it, whether it's from the New York Times or the Guardian or even like an obviously official state mouthpieces, and that by the way, the boundary between those two things is very fucking blurry. 
very clear how blurry it is, especially in moments right now. But like, they'll be like, well, you know, it's hard to say. They're trying the, you know, they're trying to do this one thing. Everyone's kind of saving. They're trying to save some populations and go after Hamas in this way, and so they're going and it. Really, they do such a good job of obfuscating the very like clear, yeah, uh, very like clear stakes and clear and and, and clear actions that are happening. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And in the same way, like what's happening with this whole fucking thing about the campuses is just as as fucking obtuse as anything else that's coming out of the Western press about this. Well, it, it's so strange that like you know it's it's you, you see these uh, like this double speak kind of shit where yeah. they're talking about how like well intifada is actually a coded call for for genocide, uh, and yeah. uh, you know from the river to the sea is is an explicit call for yeah. genocide. And so if you support Palestine, like having a Palestinian flag or supporting Palestine in any way is like, is you're is your a supporter of genocide against the Jewish people. Now, Not if, only that, though. Mm-hmm. That speech is also doing violence. It's also doing violence. Which it's is, also doing violence and it's making people unsafe. Which, which is, is mirroring, again, yeah. the same language that these types of people would uh, get very angry at and accuse, like, I don't know, the, the cartoon blue-haired leftists of saying about the male canon in yeah. in the humanities or whatever. I mean, this is the classic, you know, yeah, fight yeah, over yeah, the yeah. in the college campuses, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's 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 actually kind of a a, a brilliant retort in uh, not brilliant actually. It's cuz it's it's pretty obvious, but it's it's a it's a it's a pretty effective, I think, cudgel to use mm. is to essentially like use the the same methods and the same language uh as a reaction uh to to kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Um it's just it's something that just boggles my mind, and you know we we've said on the show before, and I you know obviously personally believe that like you know there's only so much runway you can get out of like pointing out hypocrisy or whatever. Like it's it's usually a fool's errand because mm. people often know they're being hypocritical, and people don't really care if someone's being hypocritical if they're on their side. Um, but it, it, it's it's the the fact that like you know if you support Palestine that means that like okay like you so you are in favor of the worst possible atrocity that could potentially occur or that has occurred in the past you know you're in favor of of explicitly in favor of every suicide bombing that's ever occurred in the past every you know every murder of a civilian or whatever uh, and then on the flip side like you can there is no limit to the support that you can have for Israel. Absolutely no limit. Yeah. You can fundraise for the for the army that is currently targeting civilians to to massacre, uh, and that is seen as like that is just that is just run of the mill normal like oh it's 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 uh, it's actually like a a positive position that's like a normal thing that you're supposed to do in society you know right what I mean? um, and, and I think it, it just it just boggles boggles my mind and it's. Uh, I, I, this is just one more example. These fucking these institutions just completely, completely bankrupt. Well, not financially. So, Liz, I want to talk to you about the future. I don't. You don't? Uh, I do. Okay. Imagine this, right? It's 2024. 
Wait, we're, next year? Yeah. Okay. So we're Immediate like, future. We're like, oh, no, I can't think of an episode to do on the podcast. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. At this point, we obviously just think using our brain-to-screen connection interfaces that we have implanted. And we ask our, I'm going to be honest, our woke AI. Mm-hmm. And we say, what should we talk about next? And you know what the woke AI says back to us? What? It says, there was a piece in the New York Times on Sunday called... <laughs> This AI subculture's motto, go, go, go. Do you like that? I really like that, yeah. I have other computer voices to deploy in this episode. Do you practice these at home? Um, I did kind of a little you bit. You did a little bit? <laughs> do you talk in the shower? You know, I don't audibly. But I will. But I will um, inaudibly talk to myself. Okay, that's weird. Is <laughs> I it? I really don't like that. Yeah, really? what if you're walking by and you just Like kind of like pantomime oh, yeah. a little bit. That's how people do it. I used to always walk in on my dad talking to himself, and it always kind of freaked me out. Yeah, I talk to myself frequently really? because oftentimes if I don't talk during the day, and I and then I talk like I'm, I'm like in my house until like two, and then I walk out and I'll talk to somebody. I'll be like, and so you got cotton mouth. I can't. I just like can't put my words to my mouth, and then I so I a lot of times I just talk to myself kind of all day, like a way to kind of like wake up to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I like that. We are talking about. Effective accelerationism. Yeah, okay. So actually, like Woke Grok said, in the New York Times this past Sunday, there was a piece called the, This AI Subculture's Motto, Go, Go, Go. And this is a piece that Kevin Ruse, which is just a nice name to say, Kevin mm-hmm. Ruse wrote um, about a, an EAC rave in downtown San Francisco, our alma mater. <laughs> I want to get this out of the way here. I told Liz to say this on Chapel last week. She did not. Yeah, do you want to do it? Eak. What? They name it after the noises that women say when they see them. See them? The men who are involved in this subculture. Oh, I thought you were going to say see me. See me? Me? No. <laughs> women like go a self-deprecating w- joke. Women go Wow. <laughs> That's the movement. What That's your heck? AI movement. Wow. <laughs> All right. So what happened? Okay, this is from the New York Times. Mostly young, mostly male. Wow, what a surprise. Crowd danced to a DJ set by the musician Grimes. A big banner on the wall read, Accelerate or Die. Another sign showed a diagram of an AI neural network emblazoned with the motto, Come and take it. Okay. An AI startup handed out promotional flyers that read, the messenger to the gods is available to you. Um, it's funny because I had just, you know, I was on top of it when we were talking about EAC, and so I figured, like, ah, we're not going to, like, we had talked a while about, you know, a while ago about doing an episode about these guys because mm-hmm. this thing kept kind of coming back up. It was, like, in, like, July, June or July or some Born shit. Born out of my hatred for Gary Tan. <laughs> yes. Um, and then this, we, you know, we weren't going to do it, and then this piece came out, and I read this, and I'm just like, Ugh, just when I think I'm out, you drag me back in. This is a this is what he writes. Loosely organized movement devoted to the no-holds-barred pursuit of technological progress AI and other emerging technologies should be allowed to move as fast as possible with no guardrails or gatekeepers standing in the way of innovation. They just want to, like, keep AI weird, man. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because I've been seeing these people online for kind of a while. I mean, I, I, yeah. I keep tabs on 
certain political enemies in San Francisco pretty closely. As you should. Gary Tan being one of them. Absolutely. And a while ago, Gary Tan is the Fuhrer of Y Combinator. <laughs> I'm just so sick of people talking about Y Combinator. It's very confusing to me. Oh, yeah. he's Well, he is he is in charge of it. He's like, oh, YC is doing this. I'm like, leave me out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, he is he is the top dog at Y Combinator, which is just I'm always an, asking why. Why? Combinator it's a, it's an incubator, which is one of my least favorite words in the English language. Since you were a baby. Incubator. Um that uh that in San Francisco yeah. funds a bunch of startups blah 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 blah. He is also Probably one of the most annoying of these kind of tech gadflies who've glommed on to San Francisco politics. Yeah. Um, I would say he is. Also spells Gary with two R's, but he has been. It's which too is much. Too much. Too many R's there. It's too many R's. Too many R's. But you know what? He is one of the biggest R's in San Francisco. So he is, uh, like, for the past year, I mean, he is such a fucking cornball, like all these stupid motherfuckers. But he has, like, been, like, uh, oh, like, talking about accelerate. Like, it, he, and he put E slash ACC, like in his, his Twitter profile. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. Is this just like an episode about guys on Twitter? And I, I want to be clear here. A lot of these guys are highly, highly, highly online. But this is a real gestalt, I guess, or like a real milieu. I don't know if you could call it like a, 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 an actual movement. Yeah. But it's moving towards something. And I think it I, – I mean we might have different views on this. Yeah. But I think it presages something that's probably going to eventually come down the pipeline that we are not going to like. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think we disagree about that. I mean, I th- I said on Chapo, like, I am kind of a doomer about this stuff. Yeah. Um, or in, in this sort of um, – about AI and, and some of this kind of where this technology is going. But I do agree that this isn't an episode about guys on Twitter, though these people are on Twitter. Yes. But it is kind of about a weird – you're trying to pick apart some of this moment – to kind of figure out where it came from and kind of what it's doing, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that something interesting is happening here is that we are seeing like the development of the tech kind of ideology or a tech ideology, I guess. Uh, I mean, there's been sort of, I would say, like the leading kind of like ideologist. I, I, I don't, is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. Sure. Ideologist. Ideologist is a little different. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that has some different connotations. But like, you know, you have like, ideas guy. Ideas guy. Yeah. yeah. You have like someone like Peter Thiel or whatever who has mm-hmm. like an actual, you know, his plan or whatever. But this is to me, I think, a step further into the future than even that. Although it draws from many of the same sources and is is kind of connected to that in many ways. But I think it's worth noting um, for those of us who are not part of the Silicon Valley set what a lot of these people are thinking and like what ideas are animating large parts of the space. Some of them obviously, you know, just online losers and then some who might be somewhat influential. Yeah. So there was this, you know, last week or two weeks ago, one of the big – posters and um, kind of like spokesman for this EAC movement. This the there was an account that went by um I always like fuck up the name because I get confused in my brain. But it's Beth Jesus. I think it's based Beth Jesus. Yeah, but I always want to say Beef Jesus. That's kind of how it goes in my head too. And okay. I will say also just you know the rules. If you're using the word based, I gotta say you suck dick. Yeah, I, it's it's I hate it. I hate it. I think you're stupid. I think you're corny. Yeah, totally. Well, you are. You are not you. 
They are. But based Beef Jesus, I can't remember. I'm just going to call him Beef. Beef, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll call or him Or Beef Jesus. But he was unmasked in the pages of Forbes magazine. Yeah, online magazine. Online Whatever. But um, he had a, I mean, they all got their little substacks. And um, he had a post on EAC principles and tenants. And this is what he says about it, just to kind of like get us into this. He says, effective accelerationism aims to follow the, quote, will of the universe, leaning into the thermodynamic bias towards futures with greater and smarter civilizations that are more effective at finding slash extracting free energy from the universe and converting it to utility at grander and grander scales. And then he goes on much like way lower down in the post because the thing is really long. Um, effective acceleration, EAC in a nutshell, stop fighting the thermodynamic will of the universe. You cannot stop the acceleration. You might as well embrace it and then accelerate. And it has like a space between each letter. So it's like accelerate. So this guy, Beef, 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 Beef Jesus or Beef whatever. Jesus. It was a, it was an anonymous account that was kind of influential in tech parts of like, like tech Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few others that are like, that are sort of like his lieutenants or like, you know, co, co, uh, Imagineers Group chat buddies. Group, that's oh God, really what it is. Imagineers is so good. They are, that's what they are. They're Imagineers. Mm. A, a lot it denigrates of this, the Imagineer. Yes. Well, which was really more of an artist. I don't know if I love the Imagineer to begin with. I understand that, but It's a Small World is very nice. Uh, but it's I mean, not. it's also fascist. It's a big world. But also, you know, it's a great respite because of the air conditioning. That's true. It's the only, it's also that and the, being scared by the monster on the Matterhorn are the only parts mm. of my very young man's trip to Disneyland that I remember. But I was really scared by the Matterhorn. In fact, the Matterhorn that, is scary. That the, there was a monster. There's a Yeti in it, and that yeah, put there me is. off. A roller, well, it depends on which side of the Matterhorn well, you get. That put me off a of roller coasters forever, as it should. Yeah, I we are them. true non anti thrill ride I podcast. Fucking hate roller coasters. Yeah. We don't I do also, thrills. Really, it was a lot of those people getting stuck upside down on the thingies. But Matterhorn really isn't. I know, but that's I understand that. Yeah. But I was very young. Anyways, uh, these are all like anonymous accounts that sort of like boost each other up, and we're kind of like the 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 center of this. You yeah, know? boosters, boosters, they're boosters. Uh, based Beth Beef Jesus was unmasked in Forbes as a former Google engineer, classic. Yeah. Uh, that is now working on a very vaguely defined AI-related project called Extropic AI. Mm. That is just like, I think it's got, you know, several million dollars in funding. Who doesn't? But who the fuck doesn't in this world exactly? $15 million in tech is fucking pennies. It's nothing. In Brandon's economy? There's, 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 I mean, this isn't a few years ago, but still. And so this came out of the, and you, you're, this is, of course, how could it come out of anything different? The... Uh, prevalence of Twitter spaces from 2021. Yeah. There was that moment in time when sort of the pandemic was was like people were kind of starting to go out again. Uh, it was, you know, sort of fading, but there was a lot of people who had gotten really acclimated to spending like 24-7 online. And so they were, uh, you know, it was Clubhouse, RIP. Actually, not RIP. I forgot Just about that. RIP, you know, forever. Yeah. Peace to you. But... Uh, <laughs> The uh, the there was there was that and there was Twitter Spaces which I feel like kind of destroyed Clubhouse uh, and so these guys would be in there and sort of like boosting each other up like yeah. talking you know everyone everyone kind of like getting like we're gonna make the fucking greatest tech ever fucking it's gonna and be a lot so of it sick. was also they were also talking about their about crypto crypto yeah 
an yeah. NFT. So, I mean, that was still kind of going on, that hustle. That was for sure, for sure. I that made an NFT in 2021. really very, you know, Spaces was a great way to get people to hear about your new crypto to coin. Show your bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But much like, hmm, I'm trying to think of a disease that uh, this fits. What disease killed a lot of rich people? Um I'm like, everyone gets breast cancer. Uh, much like, oh, gout. Mm, well, that's called the disease of kings. Mm. But let's pretend it really is the disease of kings. Not anymore. Not anymore. But no, when it was, it really was. Um, but uh, much, like when, much like gout 600 years ago, mm. uh, this is actually caught on some of the upper echelons, including one of the ugliest men to ever been hacked out of a vile little egg. Oof. And hatched he was. Mark Andreessen. Now, is that how you say it? Andreessen? I, I can't. Andreessen? I go between an- Andreessen? Andreessen? And Andreessen. Andreessen? Andre- I don't really I, care. Andreessen I'm going to say it sounds both better. ways. Andreessen sounds better, but, but yeah. He is very, he looks like Humpty Dumpty. Right. Well, what was that? Wasn't there like I feel like there was an SNL, but just his head. He's eggheaded. Shit. What was the fucking the cone heads? He feel like yeah, he, looks he like does one have of the cone, cone heads. heads. He's ugly. I'm gonna say it. You know, I'm not. I'm ugly, right? But I'm ugly in a normal way that like can still exist in society. You know, like I can go to the store and nobody looks at me. If if he walked into a store I was working, yeah. in, I would pull out. I, I would do something totally non-action. I would pull I'd out. I'd put him the, back in the, the carton. I put exactly. Yeah, I put him back in the goddamn carton. I'd be I, like, "Hey, little guy, you, you're not supposed to be out of there." I call damn animal control. You're get cracked. I'd say there's we, we got a hideous mutant here. <laughs> Come put his ass down. But I will say, I <laughs> you see photos of him, and I think his head is photoshopped because I, it looks yes. like it's been kind of it, extended. It does. It always looks like somebody's fucking with. Him. But he <laughs> is. He is one of the big wigs at the yes. very prominent VC firm Andreessen Horowitz. Yeah, A sixteen Z. A sixteen Z, which I. Don't Which also is like, I assholes. feel like it's just too close to A24 for everyone's liking. Uh, yeah, well, probably not. They probably like that. Yeah. But he has kind of glommed on to the EAC movement. Yeah, I would say he globbed onto it. He published this manifesto online back in October called the Techno Optimist Manifesto, which is absurdly long. While also saying nothing, which is my favorite combination. <laughs> I'll say this: I read it when it first came out. Because it was you? sort of being mocked. Yeah, wow. I read it. I read the first, the first printing. I hate all these guys, and so like naturally, I consume the. Well, I can't say I consume the products they put out because I'm not really on like NFT marketplaces. Sure, but I consume the writing they put out sometimes mm-hmm. um, to make sure that I'm completely right, which I always am very gratified to find out that I am. And I read it then, and then I read it once again for this episode, and I got to tell you, I retained. Absolutely nothing from my first reading to my second. Yeah. Because it's so devoid of any actual content or ideas and and has the has the amazing ability to be, you know, what is it like a uh like it, 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 it give the appearance of of deepness while actually being possibly one of the most shallow things ever written. This is yeah, shallow is a great descriptor. This is a quote from it to give a to give a sense, we believe technology is universalist. Technology doesn't care about your ethnicity, race, religion, national organ, origin, <laughs> gender, sexuality, political views, height, weight, hair, or lack thereof. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds like a personal thing. 
Technology is built by a virtual United Nations of talent from all over the world. Okay, Anyone with a positive attitude and a cheap laptop can contribute. Technology is the ultimate open society. It's just like we were talking about it on our over text, and we were saying that there's a way that these tech guys talk yeah. that I find so grating that is this like weird um, – It's it's like – very saccharine and simple at the same time, where he's like, there. I feel it's just always infantilizing. Yeah. Where they're just like, technology is, when you think about it, technology is just like the thing that makes the world go. And yeah. you're like, shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? It, it, it doesn't, like, technology doesn't care about your ethnicity is such an It empty, totally doesn't care about your feelings. It, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Facts. Uh, it is such a such an empty statement, and yeah. and the whole thing is like this. And one thing that we were, we were talking about is that like ChatGPT, you know, how like the the writing from it always seems inhuman. Like it, it it writes in a what I think is like a distinct style of like no style. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always been like, where is this like drawing from, right? And I gotta be honest, this reads like ChatGPT. <laughs> I believe that he wrote this. But this reads like ChatGPT. He might have. I mean, it really doesn't say a lot. It, it, I mean, it really is just sort of like technology in the abstract, again, setting aside what he means by technology, which is really unclear. Um, he's like, technology is good. It's important. It's the only thing that matters. And all these bad people have tried to convince us that technology is bad. But we're saying technology is good and that we should just like let technology flourish. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, that that society should orient itself around the acceleration of technology. Right. So, yeah. More and more and more and more. Yeah. I would say the most robust part of the manifesto, if you can call it manifesto, is the section about markets. Because you can tell that's like where he actually has like yeah. maybe read some stuff. He references Nietzsche, I think, a couple times. And it's very clear that he has not. It's like you know, it reads like Wikipedia, kind of like understanding like Nietzsche of Nietzsche via BAP or something like that. Me, I would say not even that, but um, but yeah, it's like that kind of that kind of level. Like, um, but when he gets to the market stuff, you can tell that this is like okay, he's the free market capitalist. He kind of understands a more of that lingo. Yeah, but he shoehorns it into this. Kind of like tech guys accelerate quasi acceleration, which we'll talk about. Speak, and he says combine technology and markets, and you get what Nick Land has termed the techno capital machine, the engine of perpetual material creation, growth, and abundance. Okay, I'm going to set that aside for one second. And then he says, we believe in accelerationism, the conscious and deliberate propulsion of technological development to ensure the fulfillment of accelerating returns, to ensure the techno-capital upward spiral continues forever. We believe the techno-capital machine is not anti-human. In fact, it may be the most pro-human thing there is. It serves us. The techno-capital machine works for us. All the machines, his emphasis, all the machines work for us. Okay. So it's funny because we're reading this and like there was another quote in that New York Times piece from over the weekend that also mentions Nick Land Mm -hmm. as a kind of guiding philosopher, I guess, of these these EAC people. 
The movement, this is from the New York Times, the movement also borrows from the works of British philosopher Nick Land, who wrote years ago that the accelerating forces of capitalism and AI would ultimately collide in a, quote, techno-capital singularity, a point which technology would outstrip our ability to contain it. And then there's a parenthesis. More recently, Mr. Land has fallen out of favor for endorsing far-right re- re- ideas about race and authoritarianism. <laughs> Although, question about the recently, what they mean by recently. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been kind of a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite some time. But this name keeps popping up, Nick Land. And I don't know, I don't think we've ever really talked about him specifically. We, I think we kind of did a little bit when we've talked about Dark Enlightenment yeah. and like Moldbug and those guys yeah. in the context of Teal, but not like specifically. And it's funny, like I was reading all this stuff and I like, I was not an accelerationist, which we can talk about what that actually is. These guys certainly aren't. But I was like very much a lurker of all of those kinds of conversations that were happening, starting in like, like when I first kind of like was becoming like a political uh. kid. Like, you know, I like dropped out of college and like was kind of. Like then I found the blogs of like K Punk and Bliss Blog and all where all these kind of conversations were happening through to like the financial crisis. Yeah. And so like seeing this this fucking Nick Land's name be dropped by one of the biggest, like most influential power players in San Francisco, who's like, you know, fucking billionaire Netscape computer guy. Mm-hmm. And like in the New York Times but also being called an optimist <laughs> who, like, um, wants to just let uh, the, the, the gentle AI machines kind of do their thing and then become slaves to us so we can, like, envision our pro-human utopia is, like, fucking psycho. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, I, I've never been, like, a big Nick Land reader, I yeah. guess you could say. Like, I've read stuff, um, not kind of well until we started preparing for this episode not for a while um you know it's it's always it's like he's one of those things where it's like having done a lot of meth mm. like yeah, I, I, implici- about that. I implicitly like kind of understand like this dude's just tweaking a little bit because you can have you can really unlock new places in your brain with yeah. enough speed um you can become like a real it is a new nootropic in a way that nothing else is. Yeah. I mean, when I was when I was banging math, you I was thinking things. I'm telling you that like I the thoughts that I could no longer unlock. I'll <laughs> say it like that. I'm not even joking. Like it is really like it is. It can take you to to to, to strange places. I will say I've always been impressed by Nick Land because mm. he is probably the sole person who, in a, a, a brazen reversal of how things usually go actually became more racist after he stopped doing methamphetamine. <laughs> whereas the whereas usually the opposite occurs because also one of my things is if you do enough meth, you eventually become a Nazi mm. no matter what your original race was. Well, you definitely proved that. Yeah, yes, yeah. So so rap, rap to me. What, who is this fucking... Well, I mean, so Nick Land was... A professor. He was a philosopher. Mm. I think you can call him probably the most controversial philosopher of the past 30 years, mm. I would say. Certainly, like, in, like, Western philosopher. Um, he was an academic at the University of Warwick. 
from, uh, you know, a period in the 90s. And he basically, in an attempt to kind of grasp the outer reaches of human knowledge, let's say, drove himself completely insane and turned into a monster. Yeah. And that would be like, that's almost making it sound cool, but it is like almost like a Lovecraftian like yeah. st- like story. Well, that's one of the, that's one of the words that you always sort of hear associated with him. And I I remember from like when I was like kind of perusing cuz I've just never really been into like yeah. like I had like that I you know, I read Mark Fisher when I was younger and stuff and like I was never that impactful for me. Mm-hmm. I know it is for a lot of people, but I was just like, all right, you know. Um but uh but I do like I remember like Definitely the talk around land, and then the, the the little stuff that I did read was read like more like science fiction than philosophy yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, I mean, a lot of his writing from his time at the CCRU is like more like science fiction. Yeah. Um, he was when I, you know the CCRU, so he was a foundational member of this thing that I guess you would call like a kind of para academic collective. Um, called the CCRU at the University of Warwick, which is a cybernetic culture research unit. That's what it stood for. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like part of a British avant-garde that, I mean, it included Mark Fisher, other people that are kind of very, you know, on the fringes, Sadie Plant, Robin Mackey, these people. But um, Land himself and the CCRU were like heavily influenced by, you know, Deleuze and Guattari, Bataille, Nietzsche, and part of that, like, you say that now, right? We're like, 30, you know, we started by talking about the kind of Ivy Leagues, right? You say that now and you're like, motherfucker, that's every asshole getting an MFA. That's every asshole get yeah. in grad school. Loves, like, to, lose. to the point that it's not even something you talk about anymore, right? If someone started talking to me about that, I would... I, I, I'm trying to struggle to think what I would do. I guess I would call the police. Well, babe, you're about to call the police because we're going to talk about Deleuze. But you're going to talk about Deleuze. <laughs> but but I, I, at the time in the UK, this stuff was like really um, radical. Mm-hmm. And I say that because of two things. One is that, so we're in the early 90s, right? And this is at a moment when, you know, Thatcher's out of office. The Soviet Union just fell. There is this weird, you know, it's the beginning of the the sort the the so-called end of history. When the '90s were this kind of like utopian decade, you know, the beginning of is the end of history, and then it's kind of, uh, you know, the the book the end is Y2K, mm-hmm. right? It's this very weird decade, and in the UK, it's also, you know, it's the time of Section 28, which is the ruling that made any kind of promotion of, you know, with, in culture of homosexuality illegal. It was this very kind of weird time. So there's all these like illegal raves happening. It's a very like weird kind of utopian uh, time. And the the early internet is happening also as well. At the same time to kind of understand with with the Deleuze stuff is that like, and you know, I don't want to like go into too much depth about this because it's kind of a tangent, but there's a split in philosophy between analytic and continental philosophy, which is to say that like in the Anglophone world, there was a rejection of like what you would call like weird French philosophers to the point that like a lot of people weren't even translated. So like now you'll hear about some, you know, asshole in Complet at Columbia in Deleuze studies or whatever or in Derrida studies or whatever. But that just did not exist in the 80s and 90s. And it was seen at universities in England, in America, as just like total nonsense, 
like absolute nonsense. To the point that like, these students at the CCRU, I mean, they're literally like, um, they're, they're translating this stuff as they're working through it. And so it really was this kind of like radical, avant-garde, weird, philosophical, like little collective. Yeah, um, yeah. But it sounds weird saying that now considering how – you know, how kind of canonical even someone, even people like Deleuze and Guattari are, let alone Foucault and Derrida, which were just completely, you just didn't, you just didn't read that stuff. Okay. So Land, when he's at Warwick, he publishes um, a book on Bataille and then a bunch of essays. They're compiled in this thing called Fanged Noumena. And I want to like give a sense of his writing, this like sci-fi thing uh-huh. that you're talking about. Um, but I think one of his like big kind of lasting contributions is really like the style of his writing, you know. Um, and it's funny because I we were looking at um, I sent you guys this like I don't know weird brand deck or whatever, and the writing of that. Very reminiscent. Very reminiscent. This. And this was written in, I don't know when it was, like 93, 94. I've actually, I have read this before. Yeah, this I'm is sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it about. is sci-fi. It is. It kind is. Of, yeah. So it goes, the story goes like this. Earth is captured by a techno-capital singularity as Renaissance rationalization and oceanic navigation lock into commoditization takeoff. Logistically accelerating techno-economic interactivity crumbles social order and auto-sophisticating machine runaway. As markets learn to manufacture intelligence, politics modernizes, upgrades paranoia, and tries to get a grip. The body count climbs through a series of globe wars. Emergent planetary commercium trashes the Holy Roman Empire, the Napoleonic Continental System, the Second and Third Reich, and the Soviet International, cranking up world disorder through compressing phases. Deregulation and the state arms race each other into cyberspace. By the time soft engineering slithers out of its box into yours, human security is lurching into crisis. Cloning. Lateral gene data transfer, transversal replication, and cyberotics flood in amongst a relapse into bacterial sex. Neo China arrives in the future. Hypersynthetic drugs click into digital voodoo. <laughs> Retro disease, nanospasm. It has a rhythm to it. It has though, a rhythm right? to it. You know, it's good. It's 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 like uh, William Gibson or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I will say cloning. That's not something you hear about much these days. Cloning? Yeah. Wait, we talking about the fucking president of fucking Argentina? Oh yeah, clone that's dog. True. But yeah, you don't hear you really much. Don't that hear was a, about cloning f- was a big well, thing. You know what though? There are there are. You may not hear about it, but there are hella clones out there these days. <laughs> yeah, one's president. Not genetic, but swag clones. So I have always sort of like in trying to describe his philosophy as like what it is. I always kind of am like, it is a like cybernetic libidinal complexity pulp materialism. That it has a kind of like dash of Lovecraftian race science, and like with a like North Star of like total oblivion. Yeah, the idea that any of it is like utopian in any way, like whatever Anderson Horowitz is saying, is like absolutely insane. Like yeah. it is. Um, like when I say oblivion, I mean like total oblivion. Like he is trying to. Uh, he he believes that like. Man is something to be overcome. Yeah, right? and and one of the ways that's going to happen is that like AI. I mean, that's that's always one of his. I think probably most famous idea is that like an AI from the future could have, could have come back and is like assembling itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, how is then this thing going to assemble itself in order to like deliver us a, a an anti-humanist or a humanist future? 
that you know can be engineered by this AI auto materialist auto production. Well, that's 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 the thing that I really is so striking to me about uh, uh, Mark Andreessen's like you know little fucking uh, Christchurch manifesto <laughs> is that uh, which <laughs> I believe also name check Nick Land, um, but. Uh, is that like uh, Nick Land's whole thing? Is that like he, he doesn't seem to like like humanity very much? Like it's, yeah, it's it's like he, he it's like very pessimistic and like anti-human. Cold. They call it cold. cold. Yeah, yeah. anti anti-human and like it, that's that's why I, I don't understand all these people saying like they're, that they're directly drawing from his work and like you know sort of making his ideology real, but like they they. Gussy it up in the exact opposite. I mean, even even Andreessen's thing, like we're going to be the masters of machines, and like they're going to help humanity, is completely at odds with what 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 Land seems to say here. Yeah, totally. And I think that, like, I mean, even you know, there's a there's a part in the Andreessen manifesto where he says something like, you know, oh, and AI is going to help us solve the issues with you know, how to, like, mine rare earth stuff better and in, like, a way, like, in some kind of, like, you know, good and equitable way for the world or the planet or some shit like that. And it's That's like, so true. well, <laughs> I mean, Land would say, well, yeah, we would just do it by, like, killing tens of thousands of people like we, like, any other capitalist way. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? Like, it's so, it's totally, totally um, absurd. And I mean, like, I think, you know, in addition to the kind of idea that, you know, capitalist capitalism is this sort of like AI from the future. Like the other really famous thing about Land is that he went insane, like you said. Yeah, he lost his shit. Yeah, he was doing like a. I mean, everyone at the CCRU, they were doing all this like fucking crazy ass drugs. They were listening to Jungle. He couldn't rock with the tweak. <laughs> he was well. It was also like his tweaking was a praxis, which yeah. is really which is different, right? Like so, he I, 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 he was kind of driven to do this because see if I can do this. So he one of his big concepts is like called the outside, right? Mm-hmm. You see it in his Twitter handle outsideness mm-hmm. and the name I think it's like the name of his blog. I haven't read his stuff in a very long time except for what we revisited. He's, I feel this. like he's like a he's like a like really low rent like just like right wing guy now. Like Yeah, he's definitely just kind of like the dark enlightenment stuff, like yeah. all that kind of Kind of like angry racist uncle poster. Yeah, he's just like a racist guy. Yeah. Um, but his academic stuff is, I mean, to say that he is like not, wasn't a thinker or a philosopher is like just not, I mean, some of the stuff he's wrestling with was pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this concept for him outside, like what he meant by this was, so there's this Kantian term called the noumenal, right? Mm. which means this is the idea that there are things that exist independent of us that can, that cannot be known. This is like the thing in it itself like that God? exists without us that you can have no understanding of, right? Women's. We cannot be – there's stuff in, in the world independent of our ability to sense it. What we can sense you would call like the phenomenal, Right, those are the two Kantian terms: the noumenal and the phenomenal. The phenomenal is what we can grasp through all of our senses. It's what we can. It's how we experience the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's it's you know what appears to us, what we can what we can see, what we can feel, what we can taste, how we you know how we experience reality. Yeah. And so for Nick Land, he believed that Western philosophy worked from the inside out, 
okay? So meaning that there were these knowable concepts that can get clarified through our understanding, through our kind of phenomenal understanding. We can validate them. We can, you know, test them. We can do all of these things. And that, you know, we project those concepts onto the outside as if they exist independently from us. Mm -hmm. And he would say that that basically treats our understanding as absolute rather than how things actually are. Yeah. And what it meant that for land was that there was no possible way to actually discover phenomenal nature, but that we actually construct it. And so we were never actually understanding the world, the universe, anything as it actually was. And he basically was saying that, you know, there's so much more to the universe than is apparent to the subject, and we are only conditioned to experience it in such a way that we can never, you know, but we can never really grasp what it is. How do we actually grasp what it is? How do we get to that outside, uh-huh. right? And basically he said, well, how you do it is you do it through drugs. Well, yeah, there's... <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think that, like, hearing that, right, is it sort of sounds a lot like the experimental, like, hippie stuff, which is yeah, sort of like, it really let's does. all get weird. It, 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 well, it, it, that, that's what, like, you hear so much from acid evangelists from, like, the mm-hmm. 1960s and 70s that, like, it expands your minds and, like, lets you grapple, grok even concepts that, like, you, you, you wouldn't have. It's yeah. Well, unfortunately, those concepts were woke, but, you know, they didn't know at the time. Um <laughs> But, you know, it lets you grapple with concepts that would be unknowable or even inconceivable to somebody who who had, uh, you know, previously not experimented. And it's funny because I, I can fully – I have a lot – like meth to me is such a – or like speed in general. Mm. Meth is just like the, the most uh, widely available extreme version of it, although there are, are other sort of rarer versions of it as well. Um, but it really is like a semi-psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's uh, you know a lot of that also has to do with you know you often stay up um, you know without any sleep for a long time, which does really crazy things to your brain. But it's funny because like I I can really understand how you would think that like if you use speed essentially as a psychedelic, I think you could open up new vistas or begin to uh, sort of grapple with new vistas. Yeah. Uh, in in. Uh, in ways that you previously wouldn't wouldn't be able to, but I think one of the, one of the funnier things about that is is like I was saying earlier. That's you know I I thought all of these crazy things when I was tweaked out. Um, I can't really think of them now. Mm. It's like in the same way that a lot of people talk about acid, like oh you know like it opens this door for you, but like it's very difficult to walk through that door. And like I'm not really sure that you can walk through that door. I think the door itself is kind of an illusion, and so. The, the 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 same thing could could almost certainly be said for for uh, the psychedelic experience of taking too much amphetamine and not going to sleep for a long time is that it presents you with many doors and it it also allows you to imagine what might be behind the doors but I don't think it's actually possible to open the doors or if it is uh, the beyond there lies madness for him it definitely did because I mean I think he was committed I mean he and he wrote a story about his like. His, like, total, um, I would say, mental dissolving mm-hmm. that's pretty horrifying. Yeah. Um, I will say that for Land, that it wasn't so much that speed was a way to— it wasn't like a hippie experimentation thing, right? It was actually, a like, a sense of praxis for him in that— it. <laughs> so it actually comes from— 
his reading of like Deleuze and Guattari. Oh, okay. I know. I'm sorry, but I think I can. I can do this, and we can do it kind of quickly, and it'll be just like a little band aid that we rip off. All right. Well, I'm just saying right now that you can't see it, but I'm putting a timer on my computer screen for a billion years. Mm, it's well, we'll see how it in, in subjective terms, perhaps. So. Deleuze and Guattari have this method that they call schizoanalysis mm. that you've probably seen thrown around by Twitter, anonymous Twitter people. Definitely. I, that, anybody yeah. who's saying that, I just gloss over them. So that comes from their critique of Freudian and Lacanian psychoanalysis as basically being uh, insufficiently reductive, that everything in Freudian and Lacanian analysis reduces to Oedipus, right? Um, and for Deleuze and Guattari, they, they kind of like contra what they say about the Oedipus complex is that they viewed the unconscious, what is being produced by the unconscious as like something positive, right? As a realm of possibility, that it was productive and positive, that it produced desire. Um, and they, they contrasted that to how Oedipal desire was seen as negative, that edible desire for Freud and for Lacan was seen as constructed from lack mm. and that it was conservative. And so they wanted to reframe desire as a positive, as, as, as um, production, um, as radical, right? And they wanted to kind of put an emphasis on what the unconscious produced without worrying about why it was produced. Because that they said that was the problem. It was that once you kind of um, were breaking everything down, you were reducing it into edible desire. But when you just tried to follow and flow the material that was being produced by what we desire, maybe that could tell us something more different and radical about our desires, right? Um so they wanted to kind of create this way of having a like sort of impersonal survey of what was being produced, the material of desire, um, that they could kind of that could get you away from that reductive edible logic, which is what which would be the neurotic, right? That would be the kind of the the model of the edible uh-huh. logic, the neurotic, and so that's why they called it schizoanalysis because the schizophrenic is the opposite of the neurotic in the sense that the schizophrenic. For the schizophrenic, there is no, um, like, there's no regime of signs. Like, there's no meaning beneath. There's no subtext. Everything is text. Everything is kind of like a bunch of floating symbols that then create their own meaning through connections. Yeah. Right? And so it wasn't so much with with their method that they want, they were like, so you need to literally become a schizophrenic Uh to understand the world. They were saying, what if we were to kind of model our understanding or our reading or our, um, you know, what if we were to kind of like uh, map out a history of desire like the schizophrenic that didn't try to, you know, reduce everything to this kind of like edible meaning, um, but basically, like, you know, how, it, you know, what if we were to kind of like dethrone the conscious self as this master of wants and kind of try to create something new, right? So Land was like, okay, I'm gonna try and do that, and I, and and in order to do that, I'm gonna destroy my mind. Uh huh. 
I'm going to, like, he was like, I believe in this so much. I mean, you have to kind of say, it's like, you know, he put this theory into a real practice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and he was like, how do I actually experience reality outside of myself? How do I get away from any kind of meaning? And it's really hard to articulate how you do that if you're like, okay, language and ideas are the enemy. How do you kind of come up with any sort of coherent description on how to, like, escape them? And it was like, well, you fucking blast jungle and you do methamphetamine. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's kind of what happened. Wow. So thousands and thousands and thousands of party people in Berlin <laughs> are doing schizoanalysis every night? No. I mean, no. You know? And it's yeah. like you see what, you know, the writing that we read or that you read you know, from his early work that's like that sci-fi stuff, you know, you see his work progress into just like fucking textual chaos. Yeah. I'm just, just you know, you see, it's like numbers nonsense. and yeah, like yeah, yeah. weird cybernetic cartographies and yeah, nonsense. That, well, that's what I'm saying is like, like a lot of that stuff is like really not so, that's like just, it's tweak, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's the, that's the speed talking. Yeah. And like it, it, it allows you, I mean, there's also, and not to harp on this too much or whatever, but like, like if you do enough math, you go insane. Like you, yeah. I, I used to work in a, in a, in a fucking, uh, both a nut house and a fucking, um, and like a, a detox. Right. And like you had long-term speed freaks come in the, into the detox, even off of speed, Pretty indistinguishable from like a a actual like institutionalized schizophrenic mm. in many ways. Like it 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 gives the it like it has probably more than any other drug, more than acid or anything. It really has the uh, the capacity to essentially like synthesize schizophrenia in you, and that can be mm. a permanent thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What he came, I mean, what he came out the other side at. I mean, well, besides like a Nazi. I mean, he, yeah, yeah. It just it, but it burned him out. I think yeah. that's another thing that happens. It also like it, yeah. it's a cancer that eats away. At you. Mm. I don't know about the science of that. But or I think whatever. He, yeah, but he like welcomed that. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you can see how when you're kind of going through this sort of view of the world, and we can maybe get into some of the capitalist stuff too in a second, which is to be fair, something he very much understands. But like, it's this like deep materialist anti, what you'd call like an anti-anthropocentrism, right? Which it just, it goes to like some insanely dark places when you kind of think of its logic, right? It's like ethics, if you're, you know, ethics becomes just a sort of like defense mechanism or a way to police the inner sort of sanctum of the self uh, and, and something that kind of like disrupts a natural homeostasis. So we have to get away from ethics, right? Or political economy is now just sort of like a way of engaging with entities that, you know, occupy production external to us. All of this is external to us, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's really, really, really dark shit. And it's shocking to see it even kind of grokked at. <laughs> Or not grabbed at. Uh-huh. It's, it's not woke. By these, you know, techno freaks. Well, I think I think a funny thing is, is that like so much of I mean, I think part of that has to do with just like the how the internet um digests things and sort of like shits them out, right? Mm. And so like what you see here is like almost a um gentrified 
version of this, right? I mean, there's been yeah. people. I think. I think uh, if you spend too much time online and in like in Discord chats or whatever, like like you, accelerationism has, has kind of like had its like moments in the past, like five six years, right? With like various people kind of claiming the mantle. I mean, for a while it was really in vogue for certain like uh, you know extreme right wing people to to kind yeah. of to claim it or whatever. Um, although in a slightly different like not really a, like a, and it met actually I would say a pretty different context. Um, but a lot of these people like it's it's I think it flatters them to an extent because I think it 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 supposes that these people have in their hands currently the seeds of the future to which yeah. they can plant and 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 unspeakable monstrosities or beauties can grow. And I think if there's anything I've learned from like our, our years of, of, of talking about these, these type of people, because it certainly is a type and not a very diverse type of personality that is involved in these sort of projects, right? Like I'm talking about the, the tech, the tech, uh, the builders here, um, is that, is that more than anything, they want themselves to be, I think really, I think loved, um, and if not, like feared or respected, mm. uh, and I think that this like accelerationism. Because what we're really talking about here is they're not talking about this like Landian concept of building an AI from the future that's going to come back and like you know uh, do killed Sarah Connor or whatever. Like they they they're they're talking about like creating like the, the, this is one, one thing they always talk about like next next Manhattan Project right you right. know. Um, right. This like this great thing, and I think uh, A sixteen Z has like this thing that's like d- d- directly talks about that, um, or like d- directly references that. They often directly reference the Manhattan Project, um, and it's 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 really just like what they're talking about. At the core of it is just like deregulated tech sector. Yeah, it has turned into that. I mean, your point about it being gentrified, I think, is interesting. I think that's right. Um, and I think is actually like, ironically or non-ironically, there's a way to kind of explain that through the concept of accelerationism. You would like me to ask you how so, Liz? No, I was just going to keep on steamrolling through. Keep steamrolling. I'm also going to say, interesting question, Brace. Mm, thank you. Clock's still ticking, by the way, but it's all good. No, clock it's was all paused, luck, but now you're going to have to unpause it because I have to bring up... Now, and Deleuze and Guattari again. Mm-hmm. So there is a concept that is really key to understanding what land, what land and later Fisher and other kind of accelerationists means when they say accelerationism, because it is not what whatever Anderson Anderson is saying at all. Um, and it's this concept called deterritorialization, which comes from their book Capitalism and Schizophrenia. Um, and the best way, again, I'm going to try and kind of go through this quickly and like painlessly. Actually, I don't take out student loans for this episode. <laughs> I think the easiest way is to kind of start with the word territory, right? Instead of deterritorialization, just pull out territory, which is like, you know, what is that? How can we think of territory not just as like a place on a map, but as, um, a kind of multitude of processes through which someone in power establishes and maintains kind of a sphere of influence. Yanan. Like Yanan. Yeah. I mean, like, think about, like, what everything that goes into maintain, creating and maintaining a territory. Mm-hmm. You need to map. You need to seek. You need to kind of, like, seek out 
different parts. You know, uh, you surveil, you conquer, you exclude at certain points, and then you include. It's, uh, you know, you're managing, you're controlling. It's very active, right? It's a, it's a constant uh, moving process. Does that make sense? Um, something that's, like, kind of always articulating and always kind of moving. Uh-huh. So how can you kind of think about those movements that all go into this idea of territory outside of the geographic realm, but in a kind of like political realm or in a social realm or legal or economic or, I mean, for Deleuze and Guattari and later Mark Fisher, like how can you think of it in a subjective sense, right? How do territory, how does that kind of all occur in a kind of like in our own subjectivity? Uh So territorialization then for Deleuze and Guattari is kind of like the engine of capitalism. Like that's all of these kind of processes that are work. So to go back to deterritorialization then, right, because that's really what we're talking about, then think of it kind of the opposite. It is dismantling, right? It's dissolving. It's doing all those things kind of backwards. It's stripping away or decoding, Um you know, you think of it as it's decoding and stripping away the social structures, spheres of power, all of this, right? So that capitalism is kind of like always doing in that, in that movement as it's sort of maintaining and morphing its sphere of influence mm-hmm. and power, right? So there's deterritorialization, and then there's the counter-movement on top of it, which is re-territorialization. And that's when the system then re-articulates itself that it kind of reasserts itself after it's been after it's been stripped away after it's been decoded it recodes um, and all of this is sort of how you know for them how capitalism like mutates to reincorporate new things and 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 kind of new modalities in an attempt to overcome its own contradictions so it's not just like the system is like absorbing a critique from the outside, mm-hmm. right? I think that's like something that's really key so much so that the the process of deterritorialization is imminent. It's like part of, it's something that like capitalism is doing as a part of its process and it cannot exist without that, that movement. Yeah. Um, and so like for, you know, we were talking about desire, like for, for Deleuze and Guattari, capitalism, you know, it decodes our desires and then recodes us on to kind of like new patternings of production, okay? So I think like the easiest way to kind of think of it is like as a muscle. Uh So it's like you lift weights, right? And you are creating like tiny little tears in the muscle fibers and through the process of repair, you get stronger. I mean, it makes sense, right? So there's a quote from Deleuze and Guattari, and they say, I mean, this is kind of where some of this comes from. They say, which is the revolutionary path, to withdraw from the world market, or might it, to be, might it be to go in the opposite direction, to go still further, that is, in the movement of the market? Perhaps the flows are not deterritorialized enough, not decoded enough. From the viewpoint of a theory and a practice, a highly schizophrenic character, not to withdraw from the process, but to go further, to accelerate the process. So for, De, for Deleuze and Guattari and for the left, because they were militant leftists, was the, the decoding power of capital showed conceivable pathways and like an escape out of the system. It was like showing ways in which it was retreating that could possibly, if you accelerated that, what, where could that lead? How, where could that lead to a possible kind of like 
vision of the future. Um, but for land and for the right, but really land is like the only right accelerationist, except for these like weird internet, like neo-fascists. Yeah, totally. Um, is he's like, no, accelerate the whole process. Like capitalism has to go like harder, deeper, better, more, faster, crazier, conquer all. Like he's like, you know, this is what he says, the death of capital is less a prophecy than a machine part. He saw all of this as like evidence of its own power, Mm -hmm. right? And he was like, you know, I want to... I want to like follow this to like total annihilation that like the only way out was was like kind of following this process of constant you know uh you know deterritorialization and reterritorialization following up into like total and complete obliteration right that capitalism will continue to evolve so far that it will su- it will surpass a human the human species itself and that's and then will what well then we'll all sort of cease to exist and that species ending moment of total annihilation will deliver us finally this sort of like sensual oblivion of the outside that we've all that we all are looking for i mean it is total Annihilation. It is total death. It is, that's it. That's uh-huh. it. It isn't, you know, we are going to build a supercomputer to do the will of us. It's, it's the supercomputer will surpass us and then we'll all be gone. So it's, it's also like the Yudkowskian vision of the future. Like, it's like we're, we're going to build like a, well, I guess Yudkowsky believes specifically that AI, but like this is, this is, seems to be also land believes this as well, is that like we're going to invent essentially like a computer so powerful that it outstrips us so far that it also just like annihilates us. Yeah, I mean, I think that he, but he also, he, he thinks that's good. Yeah, yeah. He wants that. I mean, he thinks like capital is the agent of history. Yeah. So he's like, you know, he's like politics, morality, people, is everyone getting in the way of the historical process of capital you know, following into the future. Okay, so it's like a kind of like a millenarian philosophy. It is, yeah. yeah. But humans are in the way of it. We are not in charge. Um, and, you know, like you said, that it's this sort of like Terminator-esque, um, you know, retrochronically triggered artificial intelligence that he's like, we're, we're the ones getting in the way. Um, and so we have to... Yeah, we have to get rid of all barriers, but only so this thing can, like, fulfill its purpose. But in, like, evolutionary, like, this is part of the evolution of the universe. We are the ones meant to kind of step aside. Yeah, but, like, isn't there... I You know, I see where he's coming from with that. Um, but isn't there also, like... I guess, what is there? Is there is there an opposing view from within the same camp? Or, like, is this just, like, it's just kind of him talking? From Land's camp? Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I but, don't think he has a camp. I mean, that's well, the thing. He's a man... I You know, he's really, like the only one to kind of theorize this stuff. And it's really fucking dark. Well, I, gu- I guess my, 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 the actual question I'm getting at is, like, if you kill enough people, couldn't you prevent this? Like, enough certain people? I mean, I mean that, like, realistically. Like, I mean, is that, is that, 
maybe maybe I'm 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 just too tired to be even talking about this. But like, is 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 if this is if the this is the inevitability, right? Of like. Um, technological accumulation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, then, then wouldn't the solution to that to be uh, to a a a heavily uh, armed um, ca- reaction to that or a counterattack to that? Well, there might be, but for Land, he's saying like, I don't want any. He of doesn't. That. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. he want. He thinks he doesn't. He wants humanity to die. But he thinks yeah. that's what it should be. He's not trying to save anything. Yeah. Um, so he sees so the, the stripping way. It is, yeah, this kind of stripping away of anything getting in the way of technological development as one evidence of that kind of dissolving of capitalism that's productive um, and also something that should be intensified in order to speed up, accelerate this, you know, drive towards annihilation. I mean, it's like fucking dark shit. But you also see why it's like his writing is like very dense and complicated and intense. And mm. it's the kind of writing that when you're young um, can feel very flattering because you can kind of like understand the outlines without actually understanding what he's really yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And so it makes you feel kind of like smart. Smart. And I think that's why a lot of kids get into it, unfortunately. It's just one of those things I feel like, I don't know, I, I guess like getting into this and like, because I remember there was a little while where though there was like those online subcultures that were like uh, accelerationist, blah, 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 blah. And I was always just like, oh, what, you're like, this is, this is like being into like goth or whatever, yeah. you know, as opposed to like being into a politics, which I think a lot of politics are kind of like being into goth now, mm-hmm. but like it is in a very real way, like kind of just like, this is just gussied up goth. Well, I think that's like, I think that's true. I think too that like, um, you know, there were all these like different tendencies that kind of came out of a lot of this sort of like early cybernetic thinking. Yeah. Like you're saying, like that's where all of the ack, the like slash yeah. acts <laughs> come from in a sort of like Tumblr-esque. Uh, <laughs> Very Tumblr-esque. Kind of like dividing. I think a lot of, of the, the same kind of people so, too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was a robust arena for a lot of discussion among the left and serious discussion. I mean, you know, it all kind of got dropped when, after, you know, when Christchurch happened, there was a lot of people that really stepped away in trying to contest the rights um, ownership over a lot of these ideas about accelerationism, which, you know, you know, yeah, this this was you know contra land. There was a lot of discussion, yeah, about how no, there's a way out of this that isn't what he's talking about, and no, there's a reading of Deleuze and Guattari and all of this stuff that's not what he's talking about. You know, there was there was, um, you know, it was highly contested until Christchurch and kind of like dissolved. The left sort of dissolved all of that talk into sort of the what ended up becoming the kind of like populist new new populism. That was very dominant, you know, post, I don't know, 2015. You're talking about like... In the West. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? Um, but for the right, like out of this, it just kind of went into box standard, you know, box standard wishy-washy meme posting. Well, that that and like really sort of, I guess, nihilistic terrorism. Absolutely. I think that is that is a... a, a, a what kind of... I feel like until recently, the, for the past few years, or since Christchurch rather... 
uh, kind of what it's been known for. And before that, I guess, a little bit as well. But very yeah. popular in those sort of like, uh, yeah, nihilistic circles. There's this piece by Mark Fisher that's very good that um, came out. It's called like, uh, now I'm forgetting the name. It's like Terminator versus Avatar, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. Avatar would smoke Terminator, dude. Well, that's what he kind of talks about. And it's his, he talks about land in it. Um, and, and, and Mark was always a big... Um, contester of of lands, I guess, and a kind of interlocutor. But he said, he writes, what does this have to do with the left? Well, for one thing, land is the kind of antagonist that the left needs. If land cyber futurism can seem out of date, it's only in the same sense that jungle and techno are out of date, facts. Not because they have been uh, superseded by new futurisms, but because the future as such has succumbed to retrospection. The actual never future wasn't about capital stripping off its latex mask and revealing the mechanic death's head beneath. It was just the opposite. New sincerity, Apple computers advertised by kitschy, cutesy pop. The failure to foresee the extent to which pastiche, recapitulation, and a hyper-edipalized neurotic individualism would come to become the dominant cultural tendencies is not a contingent error. It points to a fundamental misjudgment about the dynamics of capitalism. And I think that, like, Fisher is, like, super right here. And and you you see it, too. I mean, I was thinking about this when we were like, re- talking about, you know, reading the Andreessen and these EAC manifestos, where it's like, for me, this is not the first time I'm coming to this stuff, and I feel like I'm watching a kind of sad cover band of it like you were saying like this weird gentrification but it's almost like a parody or a pastiche of stuff that was being thought of at a time when it was really radical well it, it's funny though because like when it was being thought of and like you know when like rather in the 90s when this stuff was like actually kind of in the in the mix uh in its original form it wasn't influential in the same way, in a real way, right? Like, it might be influential philosophically or whatever, but, like, you don't have people who, like, have companies or whatever, who have any actual capability to build anything Hmm. uh, as as, uh, subscribers to the tenets of it. Whereas now, it actually is in the hands of people who in land sort of, like, science fiction universe would be able to do something like this. Or, like, I mean, I don't think they can, but would possibly be able to do something like this. Uh, and they've made it their own, right? Like they've t- they've taken it from him and sort of like inverted it in this way, gentrified it or whatever, and made it the cutesy pop thing. But like then that is like actually the one that is real, right? Like Land's thing is all just theory and like, you know, and, and, and speed freak ramblings. But like when you have somebody, like when you have people that are actually like building products, even though like I don't think these products are like, I don't think these guys are making the next Terminator or whatever. In fact, I think most of their products I'm sure will be just fucking bullshit. But like the the actual, like the, the kitschy kind of like uh, cutesy version of this is the real version of this. Like this is the actual like accelerationist in the real world who is actually building something to accelerate us technologically is like a fucking dumbass egghead kind of like loser like Andreessen. Yeah, I mean, I think you're saying exactly what Fisher was saying back then, which is, like, we're seeing this kind of, like, this is that recoding, the recapitulation of capital, doing it to the theory of accelerationism itself. It's very much like Sublime versus Sublime with Rome. Sublime, <laughs> of course, was a, a, a you know, a band that, well, I'm, of course, 
not as big a fan as you, like, you know, where they were like, oh, we're drunk and on drugs and, and crazy and all this stuff. And then, of course, the main guy dies and they replace him with Rome, who is, while he sounds exactly like the original singer, brings a very different philosophy to the stage. I don't but it's also like, I mean, it's, you know, what, what you and Mark Fisher are saying is that, like, it, they have not, capitalism hasn't been able to deliver us these things that it's promised, the supercomputer crazy AI that's going to yeah. deliver us oblivion, like in land, or even just, you know, actual meaningful life and uh, robust care and all of the things that the left talks about. But, like, it hasn't been able to deliver that. And so what it has to do is sort of like, like recombine and re-deliver these sort of like nostalgic modes, these like retro, like a retro futurism style of the past to kind of cover up or cloak its own inertia and stasis. And so like I'm seeing all of this and I'm like, well, shit, we already did this. Like I feel like I'm now watching, like watching this version of accelerationism is like watching the the like Britpop revival that Mark Fisher was. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. And so it's this weird sort of like perfect circle that we're witnessing, but it's also all the fucking same. I'll say this. I... I take solace in the fact that there's basically no problem right now that couldn't theoretically be solved by like 50 peasants with a bunch of rifles. I do feel bad that I didn't explain any of the kind of like left wing accelerationist stuff which is interesting but I'm not going it's, to. But I, that bothers, this is my problem with I all this. Just, there's stuff there. I know but this is my problem I gotta say with like a lot of this kind of stuff. it's just right wing because it's not just right wing. I, I, I get it. Okay. I, yeah no. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just I'm, apologizing I'm not for even, myself. I'm not even taking, taking issue with that. My thing is like what does this mean in the you know Epstein Jeffrey Epstein famously would say when when being uh, you know, lectured about it. scientific don't. concepts I don't mean it the way he meant it but he would you know he would say what's this got to do with pussy and I don't mean it like that no. I'm not saying what's this got to do with pussy because frankly from the people that I've seen who subscribe to this stuff not a lot but uh, I mean it in the sense like what does this like mean in the real world right yeah and. That, I think that's like my, my my something that I've I've just never really like gotten into a lot of philosophy. I mean, I do read some of it, but you know what I mean. It, is like, and that's why I have trouble taking seriously like a movement like left accelerationism because like, well, what are you doing in the real world? Like, what yeah. are you what are you fucking what are you touching? What are you feeling? Like, or is this just a retreat from politics that's masquerades its politics? Because I do think that a lot of people's politics are that. Um, because like there there is there are like there are, are real movements in the real world that like really you know try to contest real power um, and I feel like a lot of people started retreating from that in the 1990s well actually well that was like before then Badu's like real criticism he wrote that great yeah anti and that's a guy I read a lot piece the fascism of the potato yeah I never that read that but I really he like that originally title. was like I I believe this might, I read this stuff in a very long time. I mean, Badgeo is like the real badass of the 90s. But, I, he's um, the only guy that I've ever... I, I remember I got a copy of the... I think it's like the Communist Idea or whatever that yeah. book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the Communist Hypothesis. Communist Hypothesis, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, I guess it's, it's the, the translation. Same, same thing. Yeah, yeah. That's straight facts. Um, uh, but, you know, the fascism of the potato is really funny. And he, only, he I think he first published it under... 
a different name, like a fake name, because he was afraid of the backlash. But it was it was him attacking the idea of the rhizome and a lot of the stuff that you're precisely talking about because Veggie was, of course, you know, he was defending his Maoism. And like, I, listen, I I I I don't begrudge anybody anything they're interested in, right? Like, at, at, that's actually you can get so freaky, not true. You can get I'm freaky one of the with whoever. Craziest haters in history. You I are the biggest hater. So many people. You're so that, so much. I'm not even going to tell people how much of a hater you are because you said a crazy you, hater thing to me yesterday. What are you referencing? Can you? No, can you, you be, acknowledge your own hater aid with it. What did I say? Oh, I did say a crazy hater but it was thing really, to me yesterday. But it was like so typical hater. But you. Acknowledged it. I acknowledged that I was just being a hater, but I'm a hater. I'm a hater. I can't stop it. I'm a hater. And you, I got haters. I've got so many haters. You listeners would not be able to imagine the sheer number and volume of haters that I have, but I love my haters. My haters are my waiters. They are. They at are. At the table of success. Speaking of, Eric Adams was supposed to be arrested yesterday and it did not happen. That was the rumor. And I'm very disappointed it didn't. But I will say this I'm like, it's, 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 it's if, if, that's something that's just like bothered me always. I'm like, well, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? You know? What are you doing this afternoon? Me? Not you. I'm with oh. you this afternoon. We're, we're, we're quickly descending into evening. Um, but uh, the, to, the, to, to in general, what are you doing this afternoon? Yeah. And I feel like the EAC people have answered this. I'm in the Twitter space pumping my AI chat GPT4 wrapper. They're in the re- arena trying things. They're in the arena trying things. And one day, if you're in the arena trying things, I want to say this. If you are in, what do they call that? In Cerebral Valley? If you're in Cerebral Valley trying things right now, you're in the arena trying things, one day soon you will be in the arena fighting each other for blood sport while me and all of my a fellow court Jews to the new Roman Empire shriek and giggle and laugh at you. Mm. Uh, I do think that if if AI progresses, and I say this without and I, I non actionably with nobody specific in mind, and I, I mean that from the heart, I will say if AI is promising to do the things that you're you are saying that it's going to do, that as many of its backers say it's going to do, I think that we can invoke the sacred right to self defense. I genuinely think that. I think that if your promise is to put people out of jobs and and create a new world order, I believe that that, that you know I, I'm a reactionary. Then you know what I mean. It's I, I think that the that there is a there can there is a, a counter uh, measure that that would be morally, ethically, and probably legally okay to take. That's why I think that all the battles, so all this like EAC versus EA shit. Oh, we didn't even is, mention them. But we don't yeah. need to. But like. Is sort of like in the future isn't going to really matter because it's really going to they're going to have to join forces anyway against the people that don't want their shit exactly and it's really a question about degree versus kind at that point because yeah. it's going to be people like new ludditeism or whatever people want to call it yeah versus basically everyone in tech exactly and like I don't I like it's 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 I don't think that we because we're witnessing the formation of like kind of like these ideologies of the future, right? Mm. I mean, granted, like... And a lot of, like, cults, too. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I, that's my, my prediction is we're going to see a lot more techno-millenarian cults. I, we, we, we literally see them. We want yeah. to get Gudkowski on the show. But, yes, they, they there are a lot of those yeah. right now. Um, but and I think that they will develop into something that's more coherent and more, like, probably widespread among people like that. Yeah. Uh, but what one thing that we haven't, really get witnessed is the reaction to that 
um, uh, from from That's people true. who are not involved. We haven't seen the development of those uh, those ideologies that 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 form against it. And while a lot of this is basically just like much like many of their products are just ChatGPT in a different wrapper, and this is so their ideology is is really just like old school neoliberalism in a different wrapper, but uh, the wrapper being accelerationism. Um, we, I, I'm hoping that 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 something forms in response to this because I say this, I fucking hate them. I I love human beings, and I don't yeah. think I don't want technology to outstrip us. I and I don't and I don't think that the things that we were talking about this the other day. What what good new new technology? Like what what has actually helped us live? I mean, we've said this ad nauseum on the show. Like as live as human beings more effectively, you know, and like love and connect with each other and 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 be be feel human. Very little, if any, you know. And so I would say these people are a stain on the on the underpants of the earth, which is Silicon mm, Valley. Egg yolk stain. Egg, egg yolk stain. Because mm, he looks like an egg. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely hey, does. Grok's woke. That's and that's what we need to fight against. Like people talk about AI from the future killing us. Really, the number one enemy is these woke AIs. Hey, Grok's woke. woke. Grok's woke. And then with that being said. My name is Brace. I'm Liz. There's crazy ass grindcore that it's is not grindcore, Liz. That's not grindcore. That's not grindcore. Fucking sounds like grindcore to me. No, wait. Let me listen to it. There's a, there's a band practicing above it. You can't hear it, listeners, because we have such an expert producer. But that is math rock or yeah. some shit like that. I don't know what math. Am rock I, is. Might you agree with that? It sounds pretty mathy to me. I yeah. was revisiting one of the a bunch of my of rock. like kind of. My like techno accelerationist mm-hmm. music habits, and it was like really fun. I was like going full on nostalgia mode in this episode. I will I was, say like, this: damn, I haven't listened to this kind of like minimal cold wave stuff since I was like nineteen. The first three Ultravox records are some of the greatest <laughs> futuristic <laughs> style <laughs> records to <laughs> ever come out. I loved this stuff. I love Ultravox. I'm Liz. We are of course joined by producer Young Chomsky. And this has been... Oh, true and on! Grok's Woke. We'll see you next time. Grok's Woke. Jeffrey Epstein.